Hello, hello, and welcome to Hospitality in the Infinite Game, a podcast series focused on answering one simple question. What type of hospitality industry do we actually want to create? In these episodes, Michael and David discuss big ideas that might set the foundation for a different model of success. A model which would allow us to piece together a bold new way forward, where our businesses can thrive whilst making a positive impact on people, communities and the planet. We make no claims to have all the answers, far from it in fact, but we hope these conversations might just get you thinking. We are learning and hopefully you'll learn with us. So join us. The game is afoot and it's an infinite one. Okay, Michael. So today I'm going to interview you on something we've mentioned a few times on this podcast, but that you know an awful lot more about than me. Uh, It's the big C of business management. Uh, Of course, I mean culture. Um, So when I was reflecting on this, I always find that people often talk about it as a secret weapon. It's almost a panacea for all business problems. You know, culture eats strategy for breakfast and all that is quite a common common phrase I Mm -hmm. I hear. Um, The best companies seem to have a great culture and other ones are said to have a toxic one. But I kind of reflected on the fact that I don't actually really know what it is or how it's defined. And I know that you're kind of an expert in this area or (laughs) we're going to find out today anyway. Um, So I was going to ask you some pretty tough questions um, to try to get to the heart of what this is. You know, I I see that sometimes people can be a bit vague when they talk about culture. We sort of see it as this intangible jelly or they kind of refer to it and think about um, these team bonding days where you go and build a raft and that's culture building, whatever that means. Or people get really specific and they think it's about writing down the company values and putting it on the wall um, and people looking at them as they walk past every day, which seems sort of oddly pointless. Mm. So I'm hoping you can help me get to the bottom of what this actually is and how we can use this as an intelligent way to kind of build our businesses. So I'm going to start with a really simple or seemingly simple question. What is culture? Yeah, and I think you think, David, uh, you put me in the hot chair today because I talk about this a lot, as you say. So I'll, I'll do my best. But there's no doubt about this is a hot topic in business. And uh, and if we connect it with the uh, the current labor crisis we have in, in, in the world, but also if we zoom down on our industry, really something that's not just people thought would be a short-term problem has now become a systemic problem. And might be in a systemic problem as well. So I think I'm very excited to to talk about that because I think really if we go back and start asking the question why, 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 we actually come back to what you talk and we're going to touch on that, you know, there's great cultures and there's toxic culture and I might have a bit more balanced view on that, but there's definitely in the the extremes that that. But what is actually culture and how do you define culture? And I believe it's like the, the rocket fuel that actually makes the business special and actually makes you really stand out because it's actually what makes you distinctive to all stakeholders and not just the employees, the customers, the shareholders, the the society and community, that culture, the way you are, the way you behave. So it's, it's in my algorithm and I'll try to make it simple. Is I like simple. Let's go with simple. I Let's thought go with that, that when I was coming here today. I, couldn't <laughs> I come need with simple. A complex definition. <laughs> I need simple. Give it to me. So, so David's uh, for for in the honor of David, I came down to it's like belief times behavior equals culture. Beliefs so, times behavior equals culture. Okay, 
That's interesting because that that then came to some of my follow up questions, which is, does every business have a culture regardless of whether it is trying to create one or actively manage one? And I guess your algorithm there would mean that, yes, because every group of people will have a set of beliefs and a set of behaviors and that will therefore create a culture. And I guess I had another question, which is, is a company of one is your culture effectively your values and your and and your actions but i guess you've you've changed that into beliefs and behaviors so i guess you'd actually answer a couple of my questions there in that every company would have a culture regardless would you say yeah and we'll we'll come to that because that what's really interesting you're saying that is is culture is created by beliefs which is driven by the behavior of the group mm. as you call it or the team and what another thing I looked up, just they had the definition of culture, which I thought was really interesting because uh, I was in the hot seat today and uh, and I hadn't really, you know, gone back in history and looked at history and culture. And of course, it's culture as countries, as nations, as groups, but in companies. And if you go all the way back to Latin and when they talked about culture, they actually it means care. Culture means care. And uh, I thought that was really interesting because hmm. actually they say that culture is what you care about. And if you go back to your beliefs, what do I care about? And how do I actually, what is my intent? And what do I go out and do every day as a leader, as an organization, as an individual, actually tells the culture that you want to create in that given situation. I thought that was really interesting. Yeah. It's all about, you know, you have to care. That makes a lot of sense. Okay, so how do you... How do cultures get created then? Is it a is it a deliberate intentional act? Or I guess you I guess you would say it should be. Yeah, it it should be. But it comes back to the question you had as well: is is will every business, regardless, you know, if they have one or want to have one, have a culture? And they have because you know uh, it it is something you know you you feed it as we just talked about. And I think what's really important is that is this culture coming back to the the thing care is it built with conscious intent or by neglect Mm -hmm. are you very conscious about what you're doing and you're building and i compare it a bit like we were talking before we we started today about the kids and you know life at home and you you know all about having kids david you have you have one more than me so so you're even 50 percent more expert yeah that's the way it works <laughs> but 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 you really want to do there you work really hard when it comes to your kids and your family to do the right thing and there's never a guarantee that's going to go going to work because there's always you know no matter how much questions about how you much effort you put energy focus you believe it will increase your chances. Of course, it will increase your chances, but you are not in control of that. And cultures in organization are a bit the same. You, of course, you want to do the right thing. You have put all the intent in, but you can't control the outcome and how the organization and culture 100% will develop. But you will control it more. And like your kids will probably turn out better if you put the time and intent into it. Mm, that's really interesting. That ties a little bit to what we spoke about in the, the last episode. And I yeah. mentioned Rory Sutherland yeah. talking about the fact that businesses aren't deterministic. They're probabilistic. And the best you can really do is try and stack the odds in yeah. your favor. And what you're saying is that culture, recognizing culture and actively building culture is effectively giving your business the best chance to succeed by stacking those odds. 
Yeah, and I think it's going away from favor. you said that you've written something on the wall, so actually you go deep into it. You really need to work in a bit like you would do with your product, with your, you know, design. And, you know, yeah. you really need to understand, like, things and really go deep with it. And I think that's some of the things we're going to come back to now, your questions about how do you actually create culture. Mm. Um, and I think one of the most common questions I get from, from people when they want to talk about culture is that how do I build a great culture? Uh, what is the best way? What is the fastest way? What is the special source? What is the one thing? And uh, They sound like good questions. <laughs> Let's try and answer them. Or can we? Or is, is there a problem with those questions? Well, they, they're looking for the algorithm, the recipe, the one thing. And as you probably already have guessed, David, from how our conversation started out, there's not one thing. Lead is an organization that, that sees culture as a critical part of their ecosystem, building you know, great businesses, are doing a thousand things. They feed their culture with a thousand things, as I said their beliefs and their behaviors and they have lots of systems and so on so and also what i've learned when i've been you know talking with leaders and i can mention a couple i've been really studying here the last couple of months not just for this for, for another piece of work i'm doing i went back and listened to my interview with nisha katona okay. from oakley tom barton from from honest burger and marta from uh, gales and ari from singermans and then it was really really interesting how they all have some mindsets, believe that culture is important, but how they approach it and how they get to the result are very different, but it fits in their framework and their group of people. But they have done different things. They have not followed one recipe, but they had like the focus and intent of doing it, coming back to the okay. other question before. So they're growing a, a culture that is right for, yeah. I guess, them and their business. Yeah. But do you see... Um, a quite a strong overlap is it like yeah. the difference between you know an oak tree and a silver birch or is it like an oak tree and a rose bush like which are quite di- how i mean or, or all of those okay right i mean I'd, maybe there is just that much variety in these different cultural ecosystems what do, what do you think there's like there's like a, a, some traits of what they do which i think was really interesting as i had to prepare for this but i already had this in, in my head but what i really found out when i was looking at these and 20 other interviews i've really gone in depth with and some other research is that you know in general the people that get this right i said from the outset is an evolving thing yes but a mastering and going deep with culture they define it so okay. they get very clear about what kind of company an impact they want as a culture. So that's their, you know, their purpose, vision, mission, beliefs, values, principles, call it what you want. And they, they when I say define, they have them written down, not just on a wall in marketing sentence, they have documents <laughs> yes. that will dictate this. So Singermans, for example, have an 18 page vision and culture document mm-hmm. sets out how the future looks and how the culture should evolve to deliver that future. They teach it. They have it evolved in all their touch points on their people journey. They talk about their culture. They teach how, not say you have to behave like this, but this is how we do things around. This is why it's successful. They give access to it. They teach the values. Another example of people teaching the value is uh, Pizza Pilgrims. They just released a, a podcast about their values where the staff talk about the values and what it means to them. Mm-hmm. Sending that out to all their staff. They live it. And that's the hardest part. You know, you can write these beliefs down, but then when you live it, 
you do it every day and you measure against it. I think that's a really interesting point because I was just trying to work through, I mean, we're a small company. There's, there's, there's four of us in our company and we have a very strong you know, purpose and mission and vision um, and we have values that we look to. But I guess what I was thinking is that there's a difference between if we say, oh, excellence is a value of ours, mm. everything needs to be excellent. If you just write that word down, it's very static. It doesn't, it doesn't live. But what does live is a series of questions below it. So if we're reviewing anything, we're looking at it, and the question is, is it good enough? Mm. Is it really good enough? C- could it be better? So maybe the, the value has to be underpinned by some questions or behavior that become muscle memory. Would that be yeah. fair? You want, you want that to become the organization's? Yeah, and I think I think one good example is Tom Barton. He talked about when I interviewed him about they have this word over the door. It's principle are their main belief. Yeah, honest. Mm. And he talked about how he exactly he and the organization has gone deep into the word honest and what it means to them and how it's lived out during the pandemic. That was part of the leadership team and involved their staff, but also he was like rewriting their manifesto because now honest means a different thing now than it meant in year zero. It means a different thing, it evolves. So again, as you say, how do you actually, you know, ask the right questions to define what honest is in their situation? Because honest, if, we, if you had the value honest, it might mean something in your business. I mean, it's different in honest program. Mm-hmm. So I think that's again in a part of, of livering. And I think I think what you what you said there with the question is really interesting. That's the, the step number four, what I've seen they do, they measure it. Right. And okay. it doesn't need to be that they have like an algorithm to put in or a, a KPI kind of thing. They could have that, but many of them actually ask you on a scale of one to ten, how good is this? Because inevitably culture is a qualitative thing. Yeah rather than a quantitative. So putting yeah. a number against it can be hard, which makes which makes any yeah. measurement of that sort of thing hard. But okay, that makes sense. So on your scale, so if I'm getting this right, so we had number one, define it. We teach had number it. two, teach it. Number three, live it. Four. We to, number four, measure it. So is that the... And then we have one more. Okay, a nice because, round five. Because when people display behavior... They could either be the right behavior or the wrong behavior to live out that beliefs. And okay. then it's about you remembering to reward it. And I think, you know, there's been a bit mismatch between, you know, companies that spend a lot of time doing the right thing, developing the, the values or beliefs or principles, and then they forget to reward them. They still reward the, the old thing, the people that reach the sales or the, the bottom line, no matter how they got there. So their behavior didn't matter. They got the business result. And I think there's a really, really opportunity, you know, to, to feed your culture. If you observe those small things, what they do, it could be that somebody always comes in with good energy. Is that actually rewarded? You know, it doesn't have to be monetary yeah. reward. It could be creative reward. It could be days off or whatever it is. But again, you know, these behaviors, there's really building the long-term success of your culture. Are you really rewarding them? And, and are you actually, you know, there's nothing wrong if you have a big organization trying to systemize some of that. Because you have to at scale. You have to in scale. some way. Yeah. Okay, so I guess, that's, I guess like, um, you know, rewarding good behavior in your kids, I guess it's a similar thing. You're trying to, um, you're trying to create habits yeah. in a way. It's a, it's a habit. I mean, whether you call that muscle memory or, or habit. Okay, yeah. so that's positive habits. I mean, that reminds me a little of what I obviously knew about Nisha Katona and Mowgli before I went to visit the first time a couple of years ago. And I was sitting in their, their restaurant. It wasn't very busy. Um, it was in, where was it? 
uh, Oxford, I think. Um, and I was sitting at the table and I noticed one of the kind of uh, waiting staff pull one of the managers aside and they were just sort of huddled together and talking quite, quite quietly. But I know he was saying to the manager, oh, I, I noticed that um, a few customers yesterday, um, th- there's a plug socket next to the legs of this banquet seat and they kept knocking their leg on the on the plug so i'm wondering if we should move the plug so it's easier for you know for people in the future and in that moment i thought wow okay there's something unusual happening in the level of dedication of of these staff because i don't think you would get that in a lot of um, hospitality businesses so it's interesting how you can start to see and i'm i mean having seen and understood a bit about Nisha and how she works and how she puts everything across and heard her on your podcast I can believe entirely that she sets that um, kind of culture and probably lives it out as well but actually that does bring me to another question does culture always come or be is driven by the leadership team whether it is a single founder um, with a charismatic personality and set of beliefs or from a more considered team does it always come from would you call that top down? I don't know if we want to talk about it as top down, but what do you think? I think that, you know, you can think about a lot of businesses um, through times as well. It comes originally from the founders. They had an idea, they had a vision, they had a purpose. So the culture, the, the seeds of it would always come. And I think there's always some, you know, no one, most people put a business in the world, I believe, to make a change, a positive change. Um, and I think that often feed into the culture. Over time, you will probably see as the business grow, the, the years that goes on, like um, Ari was on the, the podcast recently and talked about specifically a lot about culture. And he said, in the outset, it was me and Paul to set the, the direction and really in, in, in a, put, a, put an action behind it. We needed to talk about culture. We need to develop the culture because we believed that was the right thing. As we've gone through four decades of business, we are now seeing the individual partners taking over that. We still participate in the process, but we don't own the process. The, the partnership of 20 people that runs Singerman's community of businesses on that, and then employees are invited in as well. So as they have got an idea about how their process for culture was and how they review it and evaluate it uh, on a regular basis, they have been able to evolve more people. But I think from the outset, you need to to get involved because also if the leadership doesn't do it why why should the people in the front line or what should people below them do it right yeah okay that makes sense that's yeah. where the living bit is and being seen to live yeah. it is so important particularly um, and i think also that's where you know as it evolves that's where you know the magical mixture starts to go on and it is a, you know a hercules job you know and, and that's also why i think often people don't go deep on it because it's hard it's a hard job so mm. i would say don't don't be like most really really focusing on this and don't expect your results on a great culture tomorrow but it's like that one percent you put in every day it has to be part of your your dashboard like your your marketing spend your cash flow whatever it is it has to be there and it has to be in in the mind of, of the leadership team in my view okay now that's really interesting so so how how do you change a culture then how do you go about changing that if you if you if you wake up one day and realize you've got a business and you hadn't really thought about culture and it's maybe not there are some issues occurring that you aren't happy with Mm. um, or you've just come into a business rather than founding one yourself How, how do you go about getting a handle on that and changing that is that an easy thing to do is that a difficult thing to do 
I think you know the answer. It's not. It's not easy because I just said it was a, a Hercules job to to build culture. So coming in and trying to to achieve cultural change is very hard. Um, and of course, you can change the rules, and that's often what you see when people come in and want to change culture. They change the, the rules. They send out a memo, and now we're going to do things like this: a new handbook. And that's principle not gonna you know you know move it. You need to reshape. The whole culture around the, the commitment to it again. It comes back to the uh, you know, five steps. You know, right. define it, teach it, live it, measure it, and in the end, reward it. So, so I think in, in my view, it's uh, it's often that you, you you there's part what I've learned. I've done this a couple of times myself. Is that you know there's things you you really like to get rid of, but you can't get rid of it because it's so ingrained. In, the culture right now and here but you can then start to you create positive beliefs and behaviors that slowly would overshadow that but it's not like you can just go and say to people i don't want you to behave like this anymore it's not going to happen it's then it's just going to create the opposite so you need to create a better world a better situation a better way of doing things a better way of thinking you need to build that um, so you're like a gardener then you're kind of coaxing yeah. it and uh, and taking cuttings and and yeah. kind of growing the best version from but you're, you're not changing the stock that you started with effectively you can't throw it all out and start again if you use the garden analogy so like um i have a garden and uh the people had it before me they grew a lot of bamboo in it mm-hmm. and it's taken me quite a long time to get the bamboo out because i didn't want <laughs> bamboo because it destroys everything it's a beautiful thing when it stands in the corner but it destroys most of your your garden so that's a really good example of where i tried then to move things around in the mm. garden. I had to. But I think it's really important to be realistic about when you go in there and gradually build up the strengths, you know, of what you want to see. So it overshadows the behavior you don't want to see. You can't remove it with with one memo or one direction. I don't know if that answered your, your question. No, no, that's that's really helpful. I mean, it, it, it makes sense. Um, I'm just trying to piece together and see if there's any um, questions that I think are, are kind of, left unanswered but no it's kind of all making sense I mean the point is at the moment you will develop a culture regardless because it's based on yeah. your beliefs times your behaviors um, so the, the, to build the best business you need to take control of the intention of that culture yeah. and you've set out the process to, to try to do that so that that all feels very clear to me I think I think another question of comes with, with culture change is that you know how long does it take to change culture because mm. it sounds like when I sort of say this it's not something that's going to happen tomorrow and you're absolutely right and it really depends on you know where the organization is in the life cycles the industry the situation on management level employee turnover yes uh, and that might be as I was sitting preparing for this like there might be people in the hospitality and food industry because they, they, they've been you know seen needed a challenge around getting a lot of new people and this is might the opportunity right now to actually, you know, change some things. Mm. And I think COVID by itself, by we were away from each other, might have helped creating, you know, you can do new things, but you need to take that opportunity because actually maybe it gives you some, you know, leeway, some, you know, some room to implement mm-hmm. these new behaviors right now because people are more ready for that or they're new in the business. So they don't know anything else. So let's do things in a new way. Um but I think what I've seen, my rule of thumb, what I've seen when I've done it myself, I've worked with other leaders, listened to other leaders, is that really when it's deeply rooted, it takes yep. two to three years. Oh, wow. Two um, to three years. So long but it depends, depends on the organizational size again, you know. Okay. And, and, and Presumably you can see 
changes and gains yeah. along that way. That's, yeah, yeah. It's not a switch, is it? You know, it's, it's not, not a switch. It's not bad and then good, or the way you don't want it and then the way you do. It's it's a, it's a journey. But that okay, that's an interesting rule of thumb then. So if someone's coming in and they're taking on that project, they're not going to get it nailed in six months. They <laughs> that's just an unrealistic expectation. But I also think the thing you know also remember that again, as I said before, you can't force this. You can only get better thing. And what we really do that is you know through the way you do training, you know leadership, your management, the whole people journey, the processes, you know the way you you look at suppliers, the way you look at growth, you know all these things when you start implementing them into come daily behaviors. I had. Um, Paul Hargreaves from Coswell Fair on the show some weeks ago where he talks about that, you know, over his more than 20 years building the business really didn't start out be purpose-driven then found out that he needed really, he can't just have a business that makes money. It has to give more than it takes. And that really, he had to go in and change the culture also means that some people had to leave. So right. that's the tough bit mm. about culture change and what I've seen myself coming into when I had corporate jobs, my job was always to turn around the team that didn't work. And that means there will be some that will leave because they don't like the way it's going to be going forward because it's a new paradigm you're coming in with. No, that makes a lot of sense. Okay, so another question I had was, and I think I did touch on it a bit earlier, but yeah. what scale does culture really start to matter? I mentioned like, you know, one person company is really just your values and personality, maybe, um, you know, beliefs on behaviors in, in your language. But is there a scale at which that intentional culture becomes more essential? Or is it, do you not see it that way? How, how would you respond to that? I think it, it matters on, on all levels, but some in the beginning, you might not have an 18 page document. You might have as a conversation, I don't know if it's in your business, you're four people, maybe you have the conversation and you have some loosely written down things, but you have something properly. And I think it's that intent of from the outset, you start to write down that one page that can help to make the right decision. And uh, I work with a little, little business, uh, they're one restaurant, they have 26 seats, they open now after the pandemic, three or four days a week. But they have their book of culture we created. And it was created, first of all, getting clarity about the vision. And they wanted to re redefine Indian cooking. And, and, um, and then we built some values, beliefs. And that helped them actually to understand already before the pandemic, what kind of people do they want in the organization to help them optimize the recruitment process. Because I think very small business often spend a lot of time recruiting the wrong people because... We get so focused on we need to get a job done and not the skills. But I'm not saying that, you know, you can just hire an attitude. I understand there's a job that has to be done, so both has to balance. But I think that you, when you get more clear about that also, you would not see the turnover you normally would see because sure. the pe person that comes in, what they did in Manju's, what they gave them the book before they got, came to the interview. Yes. And the people that hasn't read that book, there was no reason to employ them because they were not excited about what they're going to be joining. Yes. So it's also read it and was excited. Easy. So it's also a filter then. Yeah. So culture is a filter for you to get better hires, which maybe also is a factor in why companies with in inverted commas great cultures will have higher retention rates. Yeah. Because I'd have seen some other like I mean they feel not gimmicky is the wrong word, but I, um, was it who was it the other day? Was it Paddy and Scotts? Mm -hmm. Where someone had passed probation and they offered them five thousand pounds to leave. And you know, you either yeah. take the money and leave, in which case, you know, you weren't committed to the company or you yeah. take the job I, I don't know if that was Paddy and Scott it may have been somebody else but um, 
I guess that's they're they're testing a fit at that point yeah. to just check that that person is excited to be there and therefore, you know, is a is a kind of a player on the bus that you that you want to have. Yeah, I think they got that from I think it's Paddy and Scott actually. I think John talked about it when I interviewed him as well. Um, I think it's from Sapos originally in their call centers. It was uh, better okay. to get rid of people who was not committed because it will impact the customer service and mm. it was worth more than $5,000, I think, in, in, in that digger. So I think that, that's a way of operationalizing your culture, that how important cultural fit is to you, mm. that you're willing to pay people to leave if they don't feel it's yeah. the right place because 5000 they can buy themselves some time. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you know. Take a couple of months off and couple months on and find, find your job. But I think really what's important when it comes to culture and, and, and when to, to do it is also like many, many startups neglect this, I think, and that becomes really a problem for them when things start to move fast because it's always high pressure environment. Mm-hmm. Being part of startup myself and corporate life, there's, there's no cushion and it's mentally hard to be in these businesses because the pressure is, you know, for cash. For survival, yeah, to make it work, to prove yourself is always there, and I think that really impacts people. And I've seen a lot of you know great people burn out in, in startup environments because the the the, the founders, the, the business was not aware about that you know the importance of having a culture in place and talk about how we do things and have clarity. I think also clarity on the vision and spending time and involving people that so they understand what are we working. I'm not just sitting doing this task and the spreadsheet for no reason. I'm doing it because they say, oh, we don't have time for that. We're moving fast. We need to pivot. Da, 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 da. But actually, yes. it's easier to pivot when you know what foundation you're doing it from and what the ultimate goal is. And maybe you are steering away way a bit from it. And success is no straight line, as we know. But again, if people know what the you know the basic rules of engagement are and what vision we are, we are hunting, I think we are in a better place. And I think we could avoid a lot of stress, okay. spending just a little bit of time of thinking together about that. So if I was playing devil's advocate yeah. a little bit, if if we had a clear vision for the company, as in the direction of what problem we're trying to solve, the direction we're trying to go in, do you need to really worry about culture? If you Surely maybe if you just hire smart, well-adjusted people that get along, we don't need to worry about it, possibly. Mm. Is that, I mean, is that... Is that realistic? Is that is that naive? Is that what do you what do you think about that? Is that I think you're probably right. Like there is there is proof of you know that business has been successful with this. You know startup businesses selling at a very high price. Uh, unicorn businesses, Netflix, uh, which principle wasn't in my view. You go in and look, Netflix was not a unicorn business. A lot of think Uber, Deliveroo, and so on. Chelsea Football Club. Mm-hmm bought the best player you can you could get but i think often in my view these successes are short term we talked about i mentioned singermans for four decades sustain created a sustainable business for four decades not a high growth business but a sustainable business where it actually keeps people in job and keep on giving to society and actually also makes profit for the shareholders so again but they have been very intentional about culture and spending time. They maybe moved a bit slower. Mm-hmm. And I think they still have some very smart people. Uh, but I think you're right. You can build businesses. But I think the consequences of what these businesses leave behind are much bigger than if you actually you know, did it with intent. So I'm not saying you can't do it. But you probably want to join a team but, that really cares yeah. about that. Because okay. 
the best players started to come, the really, you know, the player that changed the game for Chicago Bulls, if you watch the Netflix documentary with Michael Jordan, and The Last Dance, you could see when they changed the culture, and Phil Jackson really spent time on that, and Michael Jordan became a team player instead of an individual strong player. That was where the whole thing changed, that the quality of the players they could put around him was a different level. Mm. Okay, now that's really interesting. Okay, that is interesting. So what examples of great culture do you have? I think you've listed off a couple there. Yeah. But if you were to pick out like your top five or six in the industry that you hold up, you look at either you know internally or you you look at from the outside and think, I I think they're doing a great job. Who who would that be and, and sort of why? Yeah, I mentioned Singerman's. It's definitely become... I talk about them all the time because I think they are such a great example of, you know, excellent, not just on culture, but how in general you build a business that is very conscious about how it, it behaves and how it, it gives back. And then I think Brindisa here in London, okay, bit of a underdog, but they are also advocates of Singerman's and train a lot in the Singerman's stuff. Um, and they, they operate both restaurant and retail and wholesale. But again, it, it comes down to many, many decades of being a sustainable business, actually, that's not owned by private equity. Plus, things can still be owned by private equity. Neil's Yard Dairy, that's just down here in Bermondsey behind us. Yep. If you go and visit that culture, you can see it's a special place. Gone on for decades as well. Um, you meet how they do things, how they evolve, how they grow, all the things we talked about. So it comes back again, but the culture, again, is very, very, very special. Then I think... Honest Burger, already mentioned, that's a scale. I would say it's a very good example of scale. They just put in, you know, a new principle about regenerative farming. So all their meat is from regenerative farming. That's a huge change in belief and the way you do culture. And it's at that point in life where they are, where they are 52 restaurants, and it's time they've just gone through the pandemic. Like, and they actually do something that's probably cost them more money and time, but they know it's the right thing in 10 years' time. And it goes back to being the, the name on the door, Honestberg. And then I think, you know, Pizza Pilgrims, to, to take another local one, um, really, really have a strong intent to build a strong culture. And you can hear that from the founders to talk with them, to how the people talk about working there. And doesn't mean they have the same challenges, but they're really on that journey. And they're still a business in the same age as Honestberg. You know, they're still finding their feet, I would say. You know, the first 10 years, always chaos, I could imagine. In any business, the first year, you just want to survive. And you reach year five and then celebrate that. And then there's five top years and a pandemic on top of that. Mm. Um, so that's, that's the, like my top five okay. to, 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 to go and look at and be inspired for. Okay. So, and if you were to kind of draw a circle around the kind of key traits yeah of those of those businesses i think you touched on a few of them there but yeah do you want to yeah so so, so what those? i often see with these businesses they are top performers within the industry and domain maybe sometimes they're not mentioned like singerman was not mentioned everywhere i found them because i was interested in the subject how do you build a business that gives more than you take and i found this thing but they live like a very quiet life but they're still if you look at their numbers. What, was it $70 million? million? I mean, that's not a small business, is it? Revenue I mean, is insane yeah, compared yeah, to, and the yeah. amount of customers they have outside, they, yeah. they only operate in one town, Ann Arbor, so they do one thing well in that business. But again, they're top 1% former in the industry or domain, uh, and they always have success, no matter 
how the team the team changes in every organization there's no one that stays forever that's just how life is we evolve you know i've been in some great places but i evolved and wanted to go and do other things and so some people would stay maybe the foundation the founders would stay or whatever but you know businesses involved that's actually a really interesting yeah. point because therefore the culture you're developing adds resilience to your business that doesn't rely on the actual individuals yeah. or or kind of de-risks the the, the inevitability of yeah. individual change yeah. um okay that yeah that's that's a really I think I point. think like that's the two two main traits from it then there's other thing you know they, they they have a relevant business model of course and they love their product you think about how honest burger talk about the parts of uh, the, the burgers and pizza pilgrims talk about their pizza and the quality of it how uh, Brindisa talk about Spanish produce you know this is like another thing and you will take Patagonia as another example of how they talk sure. about it and then I think it, in hard times you've seen fans stick with them you know they you know the eat pizza at home kit that went absolutely mental for pizza people would just show the fan base they had like these people didn't buy it because they could or suddenly order a pizza because it was pizza pilgrim doing this thing and now i can't go there and get my fix and get it home and i think yeah it's it's a culture is an everyday activity it's not a yearly thing it's not like now we're going to do a workshop we're going to pack it all up it's something that is discussed all the time in different formats about what is this actually going to do to their behaviors and beliefs that they're looking to influence mm. and they often have between three and five key beliefs and that the really sharp one maybe have below three ones. okay no, that's good to yeah. know so do, do, do we have to accept that different people will also respond to different cultures because there can't just be one that would fit everyone so so is that a, is that a truth that, that yeah. different people are drawn to different cultures i think that um uh, you know, either culture draws you in or it rejects you. Um, McDonald's, I spent lots of my time at McDonald's. Um, and that's definitely a culture. Either either you really thrive in that or you will be lost at some point because it's just how the McDonald's culture is so strong. And there's a good thing about it, there's a bad thing about it, but like any culture. And I think another example, I moved from, from McDonald's into a very entrepreneurial business that is a cafe chain we had to scale. Um, and I did the mistake of, oh, I'm going to bring some of my best people for McDonald's. That was my hack, I thought. And I found out very quickly these people couldn't survive in that new culture. And I was still learning as well. And we found out there was no manual for everything. We need to create a thing. I thought that was excited. They didn't think that was excited. They wanted the Bible on the wall. They wanted the solution. They wanted the processes and op systems that was McDonald's so they can be successful and look successful. They didn't want to do that deep dive work. It was not it was not in their interest. It was not really drive them. What the, for them was to manage things, not developing things. So that was an example of, you know, you saw how the culture just rejected them. Uh, that makes a lot of sense, yeah, because I guess, yeah, you have people that want the kind of certainty of the process. Um, yeah. I always say there are certain people that want to just enjoy working for a bigger company. Yeah. And some people you know, want to work for a smaller company and, and develop that stuff. Because uh, the other side I was thinking about this is about performance culture. Yeah. And I think those ones can often get pointed at as being the most toxic. Yeah. Um, and, you know, you obviously we can talk about BrewDog because that's probably the one that's been, been highlighted in the news the most. But it, it also made me think about the Michelin star world because the cultures within those kitchens to achieve that are more relentless by definition. And I think 
I think maybe people have to choose, do they? I mean, you can't say you want to go for a Michelin star and maintain that and then maybe give people a shorter working week or not expect them to do the hours because it's almost like you need a culture of driving and unrelenting excellence to try and get there. I mean, Mm -hmm. is that just a a realistic result of of wanting to pursue a performance culture and some people will be drawn to the kind of cut and thrust of that sort of environment um i don't know what do you you think about that whole performance culture piece it's interesting because i guess every culture wants high performance because if there's no high performance we will you will not survive. But I think there's different ways to it. And I think there's probably people in Michelin restaurant that really drive that. That's really what they seek. You know, mm. you don't become an athlete in Real in, in playing football in Real Madrid or Barcelona or Manchester United if you don't strive to excellence. You're quickly going to be, you know, out if you don't put the hours in. I think there's this story about David, David Beckham that practice before training and after training on, on his free kicks, you know, for hours. That, yeah, I think that's exactly, that's it's a really good example. That's exactly what I mean. Like if you want to work at an, an elite level, um, which you could maybe argue in, in, in the kind of, industry of creating food that people eat is a bit weird to, to try and push that that far mm. but that's a whole separate thing but if you choose that you want to become an elite you know the version of elite athlete mm. you have to give so much of your lifestyle to that because you are making very singular choices yeah but i don't think therefore i don't think performance is a, is a negative thing right. i also stayed at mcdonald's because it was in my view and still in my view is uh, you know talk about if you you like them or not but they're very good at doing business. There's a very, they have very good business skills you can learn in that business, and you can actually become a better business person. And that was what I got. I became a better business person, therefore I stayed. And that was, and and then when I felt at that point, I can't get what I really want. I want to build and develop things from scratch. Then I need to go and join the startup world. It was like became evident for me that's really where my energy was was like to take you know very challenging situation in the startup context and build it up and then hand it over to the the more stable operation at some point but i think i think coming back to these performance culture i think there's a i think it's it's again you can be a culture of performance but i think it still comes back to you know how you do it and how you behave because i think what you are touching on there as well there's been examples in the news around Brewdog, where you questioned the the behavior and how human that behavior was, and was that actually because there was employees that went out and said that you know this place is not what you think it is, and it could also be if you really put the question the other way, were they just rejected out of that culture because they didn't fit it into mm-hmm. what's really was there, and they got angry about that uh, because yeah. But I think, again, it comes back to, you know, what you do as a leader, the shadow you throw in your organization really determines about how it is. Because I still think you can be a performance culture and be a great place to work. But again, you need to find people that thrives in that. Yes. Okay. Which comes back to the same point. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, So not actually that different to perhaps I thought I thought it would be. So if you I mean, again, zooming back out again, if you're looking at all of that in the round, is there and not that everything should come down to money because we've talked about that enough <laughs> it should be about thriving not growth and yeah. uh, but is there enough evidence that it makes good business cold hard business sense to focus on having a great culture 
Yeah, and there's a lot of studies, and the two ones I really, because I think what we, we also talked about with donut e- economics, we talked about net positive last time, it's that, you know, view on decades instil, instead of one to two or three years. And I think when you start to look at that, it was a really interesting Harvard Business study I, I read some years ago where they said, like, they went in, I think it was over 2,000 companies and analyzed all their finances, and they found out, like, you know, the places where they defined you can take the five step you know they, they, they define it they they teach it they live it they measure it and they reward it um, and I don't know if they use those 100% but they say their their profit their net profit was 765 times better over 10 years than others because they didn't have these extreme ups and downs in their performance so if you think a shell holding graph where it goes like up and down up and down like a heart rate uh, probably wouldn't would you invest in and actually giving an example from my own world where I invested in uh, Southwest Airlines about seven years ago that share has gone up 7% since I sh- shared and maybe a bit more in all the craziness that's been here but in average 7% that's mm. a good investment mm. but also no they have a very unique culture and they live those five steps so when I invest in anything I use those five steps to look at a company and say are they actually doing that because then I know their performance True market dips or whatever happens will be consistent. If I can get 7% of the money I put in, I'll be happy. That's a good investment. That's in another conversation. Then Jim Collins did his famous work on good to great, uh, where him and um, uh, Mr. Hansen looked at 1,400 companies and uh, they defined what great looked like and it came down to 11 companies that had these trade and they performed seven. 0.56 times better in the market. So they looked mm. at, you know, company that was listed on the stock exchange in the US, but they performed 7.56 times better than company over a 40 year period. But you need to look at it long term because, but I think also you already see results very quickly on a, on a really, on a, on a smaller level, when you really zoom in, you will see pockets of greatness as yeah. you start focusing on this. But I think that long term, and we obviously this entire podcast was predicated yeah. on the infinite game by Simon Sinek and this whole idea that we need to think long term. So yeah. it feels like it is hard to argue against the importance of developing a good culture if you buy into that first yeah. idea. If you want to try and um, you know roll the dice and make a try and grow a company very fast in three years and sell it and run away, which frankly probably isn't the thing that society needs um then maybe you can you can ignore that step but actually if you want to build intelligent um i don't even i don't even use the word purpose-driven resilient um mm. businesses that add value to society and and sort of stick within the ecological boundaries of the planet yeah then actually the tool of culture and the development of culture is a very important thing okay i I'm convinced and I've run out of questions that I can challenge you on. So if anyone was listening to this and they thought, okay, this is all great. Is there any further reading or listening that you can give to me? What would you give as a kind of final take out of some stuff they can they can pick up on? Yeah, and I think if you really, really, really dive into this, uh, we did in, at Hospitality Marriage, did the Agile Hospitality Report. Oh, nice plug. Point, yeah, like it. 1.0 <laughs> last year, where lots of it is actually talking about culture, how to unlearn and learn new things and the mindset you need in, in a shifting situation. Um, and we're working on the next one. Uh, then there's, of course, Ari Weinzweig, who's the co-founder of Singerman's. He's written a book that's called How to Build a Great Business. And funny enough, 
the core of that book is about culture in the middle of it. And there is some many of the things I talked about, you'll probably think, oh, Michael have definitely read that book. And I think he brings it very nicely together from very heavy theory. Uh, then there's the Culture Code by Daniel Coyle, which is about how you get groups to perform. So if you're just leading a team, you're not leading an organization, that's a great book to start. Uh, and then there's the service profit chain really fits with hospitality, which is about that you build a business from the inside out and great service will come. And then there's Edgar Schein, who is the, the father of business culture, I would say. And that's the heavy reading, culture and leadership, a very known book. If you went to business school, you had to read. But again, it uh, gives you the, the, the foundation. You really want to be geeky about it. And then, of course, listen to, to our conversations. I think they, in a way have elements of culture in, in all of them when we talk about because we talk about how business behaves yeah and that that's that's culture again so yeah okay and we can put all those links yeah. in the show notes so people can can have a look at those well thank you this is enjoyable for me to to learn and question you and i didn't actually have to do that much talking so this is perfect um i certainly feel that that's um pushed my knowledge on culture and uh yeah thanks a lot yeah thank you david So that's the end for today. Thank you so much for listening. We really hope that it sparked off an idea or two for you. We'll make sure to include any links and references in the show notes. But if you'd like to start a conversation, you can email michael at hospitalitymavericks.com or david at objectspaceplace.com. You can also find them roaming around on LinkedIn, so feel free to connect. Finally, if you're enjoying this series, please consider letting the world know by honouring us with a five-star rating or even giving us a review. Okay, goodbye for now. Catch you next time for more discussions on hospitality and the infinite game.